But if you say, have an exciting new available film starring, gosh, I don't even know, Ashley Judd, uh, they may want to hear from you. I'm Leslie Lapage, the director of the La Femme International Film Festival, and this is a podcast for people who are interested in advancing their career in TV and film and learning the dirty little secrets. Uh, today, I am so pleased to have a wonderful filmmaker, writer, producer on Elissa uh, Goodman. She just uh, finished working on hashtag FBF Flashback Friday, where she wrote and directed this for Warner International and Mar Vista, uh, working with Ashley Judd, and I can't wait to hear what that was all about. I'm sure it was super exciting. She is an award-winning producer, uh, best known for her Warner Brothers franchise, A Cinderella Story, which just released A Cinderella Story, Starstuck. So I can't wait to see that. She just finished scripting Popular in Theory, a teen comedy in which she was hired to write for an alliance of producers for Warner International and Mar Vista. And uh, she is scripting The Island for Tubi TV. She is amazing. She uh, just has distributed more films than I can uh, think of. And I am so pleased to have her on the show. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. It's nice to be here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, let let's talk about how how did you how did you get in to entertainment? What was your big break? You know, walking in the door. I think that there is never just one big break. I think that it's sort of a mm -hmm. you know an alliance of things that happen in one's life, and then you just keep you know, staying with it and staying with it. Um, I had worked, you know, had some earlier jobs for companies like Miramax uh, Films in New York. And then I moved here and I worked for Universal and Paramount. And they were all great little, you know, stops along the path um, in producing, obviously, a Cinderella story. The feature with Hilary Duff um, way back was the big break as a producer, um, distribution, Honestly, my, my big break there really came from having to sell our films because as an independent, somebody's got to take your movies mm. out and, you know, you've got to pay back your investors. Right. And in order to do that, you've got to uh, find someone to buy them. So it was sort of out of necessity and scrappiness. So, so I think my big break was kind of a culmination of many things. Uh, but I will, when it comes to the giving advice to others who are looking for a break, I always give advice that nobody really likes to hear, mm -hmm. which is get a job as an assistant, get an entry-level job working for mm -hmm. a writer, for a producer, for a director, because that's how you build a Rolodex. And that's how you sort of get to see the landscape of everything and build your way up. And I think that, you know, for me, I would say in development at Universal was probably the real beginning because that's when I started meeting people and, you know, playing that game of pinball of getting calls. Hey, you do this, you work in that, you know, so, so that's what I would mm -hmm. call a big break. Well, before I start talking about your, your creative writing, directing, producing aspect, let's touch about the <laughs> distribution because you are truly um, mm -hmm. very diverse in understanding how the distribution market mm -hmm. works. So, you know, as an independent right. and, and also a, a director producer that works for other studios, uh, what what can, what are the steps that an indie who is seeking distribution should take? What are their first steps in achieving distribution? 
I would say that you have to go, your first step has to go to pre-production. Um, have a script that's marketable. Have as much talent, name talent as possible. Because no matter how good your script is, the only way you're going to get recognized is by having name talent. Unfortunately, that's just a fact. No matter how good your film is, you've got to get people there and that's with talent. So put some time, put some effort into casting. Hire a great casting director, spend that money, it's worth it. Um, and that's probably the first step I would take once your film is completed and it's brilliant, which I'm, you know, assuming it is because all of our work is, uh, you would look and figure out who takes out movies like yours. Where does your movie belong? What's the landscape? Does it belong in a big, you know, theater or does it belong on IMAX? Does it belong in a streamer? You know, is it, you know, look at all of the, you know, does it run on Hulu? Where do you find like films with your level of talent and then figure out how do we get in there and it could be you know I, I act as a rep to help broker opportunities for independent producers a lot because they just don't know how to get in the door and that for me kind of goes back to what I said about starting as an assistant and building a Rolodex I know these people I've worked with them for you know 20 some odd years I've always brought them good films so I'm going to bring them you know if they're going to you know, get something from me. I know they're going to watch it. So I'm going to bring them something quality. Um, but that's, I think what it is, is you really have to know who your market is and figure out how to get in, whether it's using a rep or, you know, sitting down and just trying to get in on your own, you know, but your film, the business of film does not stop when you're done making your movie, when you're an independent, especially um, going to markets like American film market, where you can meet distributors, any market, MIP, um, Nappy, all of those things, if they even still exist, um, you know, all of those places are going to help you meet the buyers and you've got to get the buyers who then sell to the windows, whether it's Netflix or, you know, international and, and so on and so forth and theaters. So get yourself in those doors. So do you think it's still possible as an indie, let's say, repping their own film? Because you're talking about being a producer's rep that's repping other films. That That's part of what you do. Um, do you think it's still possible for them to uh, attend those markets and, and really chat with the buyers and chat with the distribution company? Do you think they're open? I know the COVID is a little wonky, but once we get back on ground, when they can physically meet people, do you think that's still you know, a way to go for the independent. If you have something they want to hear, yeah. Um, you know, and that goes back to casting. You can send an email that says, I have a period drama, want to have a meeting? And they will hit probably delete. But if you say, have an exciting new available film starring... Oh, gosh, I don't even know. Uh, Ashley Judd, uh, they may want to hear from you. You know, I mean, and that that kind of is why it goes back to, you know, making your film distribution ready. Um, or if it's not that, it's, hey, have an exciting new film that we have a website or, you know, a, our Instagram profile has 5,000, you know, people and grow it. 10,000 people and growing, you know, our trailer has been watched and liked by, you know, so you've just got to, it's a marketing endeavor. So whatever that means, you've got to find out what you're, what you're in. Uh, how can you advise them on, you know, getting the tools that they need to put into play that will help 
get those watches on their trailers so that they have some sort of traction when they're talking to distribution. What, how have you done it um, to get those likes, get those views? Well, a lot of people hire social media experts. Um, I don't know if that's, you know, that, you know, it takes money. Sometimes it just takes a lot of money to buy those tools. And if you don't have that money available to you, then you have to post. And you've got to say, what's our marketable angle? How can I post this? How can I get eyeballs? So, you know, they, they call it the thumb stoppers. When I'm on my cell phone, if I'm on Facebook and I'm buying ads, how can I make sure that my ad is seen by everybody? If I'm doing that on Instagram, on YouTube, you know, figure out who's my market and how to get to them and get them excited about it and just get those likes. So once you have those likes and now the independent is knocking on the doors of the distribution uh, companies and let's say they get a bite, right? So they get some interest from one of the, the independent uh, distribution companies. What is the current deals that you've seen uh, happening? Percentages, uh, demands, timeframes? I, I kind of almost want to say they're all over the map, but it just, it depends on who you're selling to. So if you're selling, say, to a Netflix or a streamer, usually they're anywhere from about 18 months to 24. Um, you know, and that's also international could be in that same thing. A lot of streamers like Netflix wants you to hold international rights as well, or just to English speaking territories. So you're looking at about two years from a streamer, say, which is not terrible. Um, keeping in mind also, they're going to pay you out over two years. So when they make a deal with you, it's going to take two years to get that money. They're not going to just hand you that check for $200,000 and say, cool, you know, in two years, we'll maybe re-up. Um, you know, they're going to pay you a percentage of that every quarter, you know, so you'll make a nickel a quarter for, you know, whatever it is, but you, you're making your money back. So it's kind of money in the bank, but you know, you want to keep stuff like that in mind because when you're paying back investors and things like that, you've got to, you know, be aware that it's probably going to take a few years to, you know, get the money in, even if you're selling early on. I mean, I have a Christmas movie that was sold to Sony about three years ago. We literally just got paid in the last four months um, and they've been airing it, you know, everywhere. So, you know, and, and by the way, it was, it was a lovely payday, uh, but it took quite some time to get there. Um <laughs> It was a good Christmas present or, you know, Halloween when we got it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's kind of interesting how that works, you know, making movies. And, and that takes me to another place that we can talk about in a few minutes. But movies that, you know, the marketplace wants holiday movies and things like that. But we can we can readdress that later. But so, so that's a streamer kind of deal. If you're going to a distributor or a sales company who they're going to want anywhere, they usually ask for 15 years, you can get them down to 12 to nine to seven, depending on a variety of negotiating and, you know, kind of things like that. So that that's their deal. They usually will take 25% of your sales 
and they're going to want um, anywhere from 10. It, it just depends on what markets they're taking, you know, like say 30000 or $25,000 in marketing expenses. So what you have to figure out when you're trying to make your money back is, okay, they're taking 25%. So every dollar I make is 25, less 25%. However, if they're selling it on iTunes, iTunes is taking 30%. So now 25 plus 30 and then the marketing fee. So you've really got to just, you know, to me, the idea when it comes to, in, you know, independent filmmaking is get your money back, get it back in your investors pockets, because nobody who's a filmmaker really wants to be a marketer. They want to be filmmakers. So how does one figure out how to make sure your investors are paid back, make sure that you're going to get money to make your next movie and uh, that everybody's happy and nobody gets angry at you that you sold them a bill of goods that, you know, is not coming back because a lot of times this money is coming from friends and family and credit cards. Yeah, that's that I think is a big misunderstood thing. The the independents think, great, I just sold this to a distribution company who's a sales, you know, company. And then all of a sudden they're taking 30%. They're taking 30%. And then that company sublicenses out to Netflix, which then takes 30%. Then they have a 30,000 cap on marketing. So right there, you've got 60% that has gone away, 30,000 in marketing costs that has to be paid back first. And then they're wondering why it takes two years to see a dime back or, you know, any money back. And then it, get, and then it gets worse. <laughs> because you've got to usually pay the royalties and you've got to pay the royalties on what's airing today, not when you get paid. Um, so if you're working with SAG, so, so it is, you know, that's why I get very passionate about distribution because when you are a filmmaker, you're, you know, wow, I just sold my movie to Netflix. And then Netflix gives you, you know, 10 grand for a quarter, but your royalties are 12. So you've just, you've got to keep all of that in mind when you're making your deals and, you know, get creative. And it just really depends on how bad somebody wants your movie. The better, the, the more they want your movie, the better deal you're going to get. Right. right. And there are some distribution companies that will handle the, the SAG after contracts and paying that out on your behalf, which mm -hmm. means, which means you see sure. less money coming in that uh, door. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Correct. Sure. You know, and that goes to delivery as well. You know, we've probably, you know, every filmmaker has found themselves with sticker shock about what delivery expenses cost. So, you know, make sure that you keep money in your budget for your deliverables. Um, you know, that's probably, you know, going to be a good 10,000 extra dollars for everything, including a legal clearance report that everybody wants in your E&O and your insurance, you know, all of that. So it's just a matter of, it, it's a great business. You just have to understand it. Right. Into it. And know that there's still some costs coming in just when you sign that deal with distribution, which, yeah, they don't, uh, they don't quite understand. Um, let's just briefly talk about deliverables and how ugly deliverables deliverables can get. Now, um, have you, uh, yeah, exactly. You want to ch chat about that? Maybe chat about music licensing, how you've worked with music licensing, which is a big sticker, sticker shock for most people. Sure. It, it is. And it goes 
I'll always say it, it goes back to having that um, Rolodex of friends. Uh, the last film that I made, of course, they had no money for music in the end. So I reached out to somebody I once worked with before and I said, here are songs I love. And I gave him a couple songs I love. And I said, can you uh, record songs like that? And he went off and did for like practically no money for me. And now I have a great song at the opening of my movie and a great song at the end. Um, we, you know, when it comes to that, it's a lot of relationships. Go meet some composers who are looking to, you know, get experience. They're probably incredibly talented and they can, you know, as long as you know what you want and can work with them as a filmmaker, you should be able to find the help. I think that most of us, are in this business because we love it. We're not in it because we think we're going to have a yacht. Um, though who would want one? But um, you know, we're in this business because we're passionate about it. So we're willing to work for less. And we do that um, sometimes because we're stupid and sometimes because we just believe. Um, I've always been a firm believer in giving up a little today for the opportunity cost. And to me, I don't know, um, one of these days I'll change that philosophy and start making more money. But, um, you know, you've got your different things. Cinderella Story was, you know, a Warner Brothers movie with, you know, six sequels. That's a different deal than me, you know, directing an indie. So, um, you know, it, it just depends. I, I say just love the work um, and meet people who do join organizations, go to mixers. You know, if you're a young filmmaker, you know, use your friends from school. Find resources that, you know, you can use and use each other. Um, you know, we are we are in a business of users and you can do it nicely or crappily. <laughs> Let's do it nicely and everybody wins. Right, right. Well, let's talk about Cinderella Story, as that was your big, like, kind of launching in. How did you package this? Uh, how did this deal happen? How, what was that experience for you? Well, oddly enough, I'd already had a, a long career as a development executive at that time. And I was working for a company who was making a lot of TV movies, which were very big back then. They kind of took a pause and now they're back. Um, but I was working for a company that didn't have a lot of people there. So I got to wear a lot of hats and I had a boss who threw me in the line of fire a lot, which I, at the time, was terrifying when I found myself negotiating with ICM agents and their lawyers for actors and things. And I just, you know, I did not have the background for that, but, you know, pulled it off and, you know, you know, cut my teeth on things like that and then had to turn around and sell these movies. So I would just start an outreach. You know, I've done everything from, you know, calling everyone on the planet to walking around Cannes, leaving flyers for movies on people's desks and everywhere I could and putting them in bars and putting them in places. Um, you know, so, so it's just kind of like you just figure it out in a way. Um, what was your question? <laughs> I forgot already. I'm not sure I'm <laughs> no problem. Yeah, no um, problem. So, 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 I, how I did you? It, so, how did you know, package yeah. the Cinderella story? Oh, package Cinderella story. Thank you. All right. So, moving on from that, the company. The company that I did work for was very gracious and let me, you know, make a couple of original movies. Um, a Cinderella Story was um, my favorite movie is Clueless. And I always wanted to find a way to make Clueless. And I was talking to some execs at Warner Brothers and we started spinning on this idea of doing Clueless with the Cinderella kind of feel in the valley. 
is kind of how that started. And my company, I, I still have the paperwork from Warner Brothers that said, if your company develops and makes this movie, we at Warner Brothers will distribute and co-produce with you. So I was excited about that, started looking at writers, took took on, you know, took a lot of meetings. And then lo and behold, that company goes out of business. So they gave me the opportunity to stay on this project and have it. They gave me a couple of things when they, you know, since they went out of business. Um, I kept the project. And one day I'm having a conversation with a friend of mine who was a manager. And I said, I'm so bummed. I have this opportunity with this movie, but now I have no financing. And, you know, to even start. And he said, God, I have a writer who would be great for that. He then introduced me to Lee Dunlap, who has become a partner of mine on many projects. Um, but she was the writer. She was actually living in Georgia at the time. She grew up here, went to USC, um, worked at Gersh Agency and kind of got soured on the business a little and moved off to Georgia. Uh, she and I started speaking. The other producers all started speaking. And next thing you know, we have a script that we like. Um, and five short years later, we had a director who'd worked with Hillary Duff on some projects. I know, um, who worked with Hillary Duff on a few projects and said, maybe Hillary could do it. And we said, sure. And it was just timing. Hillary was like, you know, just about to be a star. Her show was doing well. She did that as a movie. She was in this agent Cody Banks movie and, Suddenly we got Hillary on with this project and every studio in town suddenly said, yeah, we want that. And there was a bidding war. So that was kind of exciting. And we wound up agreeing to work with Warner Brothers, which was kind of ironic because that's where we started in the first place. Um, and they made the movie. It turned out really well. Uh, you know, some I'm proud to say that it has a little bit of an iconic thing going on with it. Uh, people have come up to me when they know I've, you know, produced that movie and start quoting lines um, from it. And, you know, I get letters to this day about how it changed girls' lives. And, you know, for me, it was a very important movie to do because it was a Cinderella, but it wasn't, you know, re being rescued by a prince. She really rescues him. And that, you know, is the most important theme that I take with me is that, you know, making these fairy tales, um, you know, you don't really want to make these movies that are, you know, you want to make movies that empower girls. That's sort of always been my personal mission. Um, and so, you know, that happened and then the movie turned out well. And next thing you know, there's a sequel and another sequel. And we've had now six direct, first they were direct to DVD and now they're direct to streaming. And uh, we did some with Freeform. And so we've got, you know, a lot of movies. So it's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. And the, and the latest one is uh, Starstruck. So who's, who's doing that one? Warner? Uh, that is Warner also did that. I mean, they control the rights, so they're going to do everything. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, what's cool about it is that we've, you know, we've been able to work with great talent, you know, whereas Hilary Duff was the first one, obviously, then we had Selena Gomez, Bailey Madison is the last one. So it's kind of, you know, it's like a rite of passage for a young Disney actress to do a Cinderella movie <laughs> in a way. And they've always been incredibly, you know, incredibly enthusiastic about it. And this one, the latest one, Starstruck, is a musical, which is kind of fun, a new, a new take. Um, the one before that was um, a Christmas movie. So, you know, if, if there is a genre to um, unearth, we might. Maybe we'll do a horror version. Uh, 
thought it was a joke. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, we, we've definitely, um, you know, there, there's a market for it. And that, you know, goes back to everything we started talking about. If there is a market for it and you make it, hopefully they'll come. Uh, let's talk about popular in theory. Because you, 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 you like working with teens. Yeah. So uh, how did that come about? I love working with teens. Uh, that came about the, the last movie that I directed, which I literally just delivered um, a week ago, which is hashtag FBF. Um, that is a movie that we shot. Yeah, um, that was a movie that was shot. If you don't mind, I'm going to take you a little backwards because it led to uh, popular in theory. Uh, FB, hashtag FBF is uh there's a company called that's a actually a russian based company who created this technology to make these movies that are called screen life and most of the movie is actually told from the perspective of a screen so they had come to me and brought me a concept that was about and, and there were there was an original script at the time we we've rewritten that um but basically it was about a girl whose parents are divorced and so it's kind of got that freaky friday thing going on the parent trap going on her parents are divorced her mother moves her to florida she hates it she's going back to new jersey to visit her dad and her friends and she inadvertently takes her mom's computer because they all look alike um so now her mom is doing a ted talk which is ashley judd and the daughter is creed chikino who's an amazing actress who's now in uh, sex in the city so i'm excited to see her there and um she's got mom's computer and mom is doing a TED talk, so she's not online. She's not looking at any of her stuff. And um, Cree or Annie, the character's flight is delayed. So now she's got two hours at the airport with her mom's computer. So it's everything from, you know, and she calls her friends, so she's web chatting with them. And it's everything from doing the wish fulfillment of online shopping sprees to snooping in her mother's stuff, finding things out that are not, you know, things that her mother might not have wanted her to know, um, totally messing with her mother's online dating profile, um, you know, and just everything. But it's all overall happening on screen with the aid of her friends. So you see her on screen. Um, and it's so much more than a glorified Zoom call, um, which some might think of it as. But do you, so after you make the movie, you then have to go in and add all of the screen things, which is like making animation live action. So it's crazy. I don't know that I can ever live through doing it again. It took a good year from production wrap to where we are. Um, but it's interesting. And this company does some cool stuff. Their movie was called Searching, did very well. Um, they had a movie called Unfriended, which was big. And they're doing a remake of War of the Worlds for Universal um, that I was just actually asked to have a look at for them and help them with because it is it is a challenge. And sometimes you just stare at these movies like I can't look at mine for another second without going, God, I should have done this and that and the other thing. Um, but that was that. And so what happened was I was brought into this movie and they were looking for partners on it. So I Adam randomly, you know, this this doesn't really happen in Hollywood, but it did. I get this random phone call from someone at Marvista who says, "Hi, hey, you don't know me, but I am copied on some email you had with one of my colleagues about 2 years ago, and I'm looking for films. Do you have anything interesting?" And I'm like, well, maybe I do. So I introduced those two parties and they said, "Oh my god, we love it. We got to make it." 
So Mar Vista became the distributor and they had to deal with somebody else. So there became co-financiers and a bunch of people. And, you know, after all the deal-making process, I'll say a short year later, we were making this movie and then COVID happened. And this movie turned into something that was perfect to shoot during COVID because I literally made 90% of the movie sitting right where I am now um, on screen where I had cameras at locations and I was just directing everything from my screen. And I had Ashley Judd was in um, Nashville at a theater and I was working with her and I had somebody at an airport set in Orange County and somebody else at her in her living room and somebody else in her bedroom. And I was literally like a puppet master. Um, from my screen directing, it was insanity. Um, and then I did kind of the same thing, editing it with my editor where he was where he was and it was all on screen and I hope never to do it again. Um, I did get on set a couple of times. We we did um, shoot some off screen things and I did get on set um, and it was so much better and it was so fun and I had such a good time and, you know, that passion of working with actors and, you know, creating things in the moment when you're there was so much better than being on a screen because you only see what you're shown. Um, so being able to look and say, hey, let's go over here and you run this way and you do this and, you know, really get to work was amazing. But in doing that, I formed a great relationship with some execs at Mar Vista and they liked my work and, you know, said, hey, while you're editing FBF, would you write something else for us? And they gave me this idea that is terrific, um, which is popular in theory. And I um, wrote a few drafts and hopefully we're going to revisit that and I'd love to direct that. And then about two months ago, a executive friend of mine came to me and said, hey, we're making some movies for Tubi. Uh, we're looking for a YA movie. Can you come give us a pitch? And they gave me a topic. I gave them a pitch. They said, yeah, let's go. And um, so I just finished the first draft of that. Um, it's supposed to air. Um, and by the way, the island is a working title, um, which I named because we haven't really found one, but it's uh, kind of like a, another YA um, Blue Lagoon kind of thing. And I'm excited for that. And I'm supposed to shoot that in Belize. So I'm super excited to have gone from not getting to leave my office and my screen to shooting on a beach in Belize. Um, so, so that's kind of where I am. And, you know, I'm glad that I have work lined up and it, you know, comes through relationships, comes through other work. Um, it's fun to have it lined up and I'm looking, you know, for me, you know, tying distribution into being an independent filmmaker, I think is really important because for me, what I strive for is control. How can I have control over what I do, who I work with and how do I do it? Um, and that comes from, I can make things that are going to make money. So getting them to knowing what the marketplace wants and getting your films out there. So they make money so that people take notice and say, all right, you can, you know, I got, um, I'm excited as a writer and director because on the movie FBF, I was given a film by Alyssa Goodman credit. And that's kind of an exciting credit when you're a creator because it means that they've given you the keys to the store and trusted you enough for your vision. And so that's what I want more of is being able to tell my stories my way, but knowing there are rules that I have to play by, which is your stories have to make money. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. Right. Um, now, 
talk about like indie financing, which is a challenging thing. Can we talk about uh, different ways the indie can look for that financing, secure that financing on projects that have marketable legs, like a YA movie? Okay. Well, you would want to do, you know, obviously pre-sales would be the first thing, um, you know, and, and that... I'll, I'll go backwards for a moment because in order to do any of this, you need a package and, you know, like what you were talking about with how did Cinderella story come out? Okay. So we had a script ultimately that the studio liked. We then got a director that was somebody the studio liked. He brought in Hillary Duff cause he'd been working with her, which was somebody the studio loved. So we had something that now has value and once it has value, you take it out. So once you have your material, so I would recommend that anybody who has a script has to, you know, for an indie film has to make sure that it, you know, is makeable, um, makeable at a proper budget and that they have a plan. Um, you know, and there are so many of these, uh, even your film festival has, you know, how to, you know, how to learn how to do a business plan, how to package, you know, how to, who to, you know, if you can't do it yourself, who do you go to and what do you need to go to them? So take your script and go figure out, you know, do a budget, do a schedule, um, figure out the cast that makes sense at your budget. You know, you can't go and, you know, look for, hey, we want Brad Pitt. We're making a $3 million movie, um, you know, unless you've written something that, you know, the heavens open up for and you can get it to him and everybody agrees. Um, but, you know, so so you start with your presentation and, you know, you would want to do all of that. You might want to start talking to distributors early and making them your partner and saying, we're looking at these six actors to play our lead. If, you know, what do you think of them? Are they bankable? Are they bankable at 2 million? Are they bankable at 5 million? Are they bankable at a million? You know, figure out what number makes sense. And then, um, you know, and, and how do you do that? You can go to people and say, can you run numbers? You know, which, you know, costs some money. You can figure it out yourself, roll up your sleeves. I mean, I, I do sales projections as well, which I taught myself how to do. Um, people can do that. Um, you know, cause you've got to show, you know, whoever it is that's going to put up your money, how you're getting it back. So you either go to your rich uncle, you go to companies for pre-sales, you say, I'm going to shoot in Georgia because Georgia has the ability to give me 40% back on my dollar. And I've already spoken to the film commission there and I know they're going to give it to me. Um, a lot of people don't do that and you should. Um, a lot of people say, oh, we're going to use the LA film tax credit, which is practically impossible to get. So anybody who says to me, we're using that, you know, you know, that's not going to happen. So you can say, you know, let's go get some tax. Well, credit. and it's not even, and it's not even favorable. Yeah. And it's not even favorable for anything under a million dollars. So it's like, what? Yeah. So I'm a big fan of Canada when it comes to getting their money. I've worked there a lot. I've actually worked for Canadians helping them and done some consulting. So I like that. Um, the difference, though, is you also have to be able to, I call it the friends and family discount, which means if I shoot here in L.A., I know that I can get people to work on my crew and work on my staff for me as a favor and be a friend and do it for, you know, a favorable cost rather than going to Canada and having a bunch of people who don't know me. Um, you know, so, so there, you've kind of, I always say, do a couple different budgets, 
see what your budget is in Georgia, see what it is in Canada, see what it is at home. Because if I don't have to put actors up in a hotel, I may save myself, you know, 30 grand and that could go to something else. You know, when you're talking about these indie budgets, you know, that are basically somewhere between one five and less, every cent matters. So that's kind of, you know, you've got to just really think about that. But the, those are the things you have to take into consideration in putting your presentation together. So you can then go get foreign sales advances. You can go get, you know, Uncle Bob and his friends who are also dentists with money. You can max out your credit card if you're, you know, passionate, but I don't recommend that one. Um, but it sure does show you believe in it. Uh and that kind of thing. And you put your money together and that's how you begin. Excellent. Two last questions. Uh, what's your advice for a young filmmaker coming up uh, the ranks? Get on as many films to help others as possible. Make as many friends as possible and, you know, work as much as you can. If you're a writer, always write. Don't wait for someone to pay you. Um, if you are a director, get out there, you know, take your phone. This, this cell phone can actually make a movie, um, you know, get out there, but also be realistic. Um, you know, and when I say be realistic, I think that a lot of kids today I'm finding kids today, um, are out there making those movies and good for them. But you can't be a mainstream Hollywood person, Hollywood person, if you are not willing to, you know, really play in the mainstream, you know, get out there, meet people, find a mentor, you know, find somebody who can introduce you to people and help you and hire you. Um, you know, to me, it's just do the work, know people and don't think you're smarter than everybody else. I've met so many kids today who, you know, have made award winning um, student films who then think that, well, what do I need school for? I'm just going to go make a movie. And many of them have said that to me three years ago and are exactly where I left them. Um, so, you know, you can't really circumvent the rules. And then the most obvious when it comes, by the way, to distribution that I just want to get into is what you do, film festivals. Um, get your movie out there, rack up some awards, get it shown, get in festivals. It's the best place to meet other filmmakers and, you know, get, get your movie out there. Great advice. Last question. Um, what's a dirty little secret you wish somebody had told you that you have learned along your path? <laughs> it can be anything. It's, it, it's sad. It's really sad. Um, except help. Um, I came out here with a chip on my shoulder and something to prove. And if I would have accepted help long ago, I would have been so much better off. Um, you know, that to me is everybody wants to make their way. And we all have something that's going to help us. And it could be people. It could be, you know, I, I met a fabulous Latina filmmaker a couple of weeks ago. And she didn't want to take advantage of that. And I said, everybody wants Latina filmmakers right now. Sell yourself that way. And she's like, well, I want to be, you know, hired on my merit, not that. And I get it. That was me. But you know what? Just get a leg in because, you, you know, whatever it is. For me, I remember dropping off a resume somewhere 
I recently moved here from New Jersey, met this guy outside and he's like, oh, you're from New Jersey. What do you do? And he was older. And I told him, you know, I'm working in, you know, film and TV. And he's like, oh, and I have no idea who he was, but he was somebody. He got into like this massively cool car and said, do you, do you need help with anything? Do you know, do you know people? Are you working? Do you need help? And I was such a jerk. And I'm like, nope, I'm good. I got this. And God knows what he could have done for me. <laughs> Um, but that's what I would say. Take help. That's, Take help. that's excellent. Excellent. It's yeah, a silly and, and secret. Silly secret. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's great. Thank you so much. But, Thank you, yeah. mm-hmm. um, Alyssa Goodman for mm-hmm. being on Best in Fest. My pleasure. And for all those, uh, that want to My see pleasure. the video component, uh, they can go to the La Femme, uh, channel on YouTube. Don't forget to rate us and like us on iTunes. Um, and, um, thank you again. If you want to shout out any of your socials for those that are listening in. Um, you can usually find me with my name. It's I L Y S S A Goodman. Um, and because I'm one of the few Alyssa Goodman's in the U S that's how I'm found. Um, there's a doctor with my name, but just Google me. You'll get to, you know, whether it's LinkedIn or, you know, Instagram and Twitter and all of that. Um, that's the best way to find me. Excellent. Thank you. Best in fest. Thank you, Alyssa Goodman.